Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Katie Barnett, and we're going to discuss how she helps individuals level up with her organization level after next. Before we begin, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, content creator, or YouTuber that wants to create tactical content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions and find out how we can help you shape that content in a way that delivers better. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I am super excited to have you um, kind of find out we have a couple mutual uh, friends and business coach. So some really cool friends. Yeah, <laughs> really cool friend. I mean, he's he's OK. I, I'm sure we'll uh, make sure he hears that he's only OK in our lives. But um, before we dive too far in the conversation, I want to give the audience an opportunity to learn more about you. Um, you grew to be the head of large organizations in a short amount of time, sharing clean living tips and products all by leveraging social media. You love leadership. You love educating at a higher level while helping other women succeed. Um, You became a student of social media and trained regularly on how to brand, grow, and deliver all from home. You were the top leadership developer in the country, but the businesses did not offer others what you had experienced, nor did it feel as though you could grow to your full potential in that. So in early 2021, um, life called for a hard left, which meant leaving a career and incredible income and an amazing team in search of more. That's really what we're going to dive into. And overall, that is part of your leadership journey. Leadership is your muse, what you love to share about most. And I love this part, as John M says, everything rises and falls with leadership. And that's one of your favorite quotes. So before we dive into and unpack all of that, just give the audience a fun fact about you that we might not know. Fun fact. I mean, I have like a bunch of different things going through my head and I don't want to like scare anybody off too quickly, but. Oh no, that's what draws them in. Let's hear, let's hear something crazy. Get all, get all the way out there. Okay, let's go. So one of my, one of my favorite things um, that has come in this past decade of my life is just like, I feel like, you know, thirties, I guess maybe huge transformation, but even in the last couple of years, pandemic, all of that, I had this like big just like revelation that I can, I can still do things. Like I can still learn things. I'm allowed to still want things. I, um, can change things. And it was, it, it, it manifested in a couple interesting ways. The first was a skateboard that I've never skateboarded. I grew up with surfers and all of that. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to skateboard. This thing looks cool. So bought myself a skateboard. I did almost kill myself a couple of times on it, but now I'm pretty good. Um, and I skateboard like I'm 38 and I skateboard now, like why not? You know? And then the other was actually a ukulele that was purchased for my son, my four-year-old son at the time, an electric ukulele. And I saw it and I was like, you yeah, know, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to go ahead and keep this. And for about a week, I did nothing but play that thing. Uh, I love to sing. And my, my oldest son is a guitarist and my husband plays the guitar. My brother plays the guitar. Nobody will play songs that I want to sing though. Like I love to sing. And I'm like, I don't feel like singing Metallica. I just don't. So 
I took this ukulele and I was like, I'm going to learn how to play it. It's so much fun. And now I play the ukulele and I just think that, um, it goes so much along with like business and the ability to pivot anything, but it just, I love realizing in my late thirties that I can still decide to be something new, learn something new. Um, and I love getting to show my kids that cause it's just, it's everything. And my team as well. I can't tell you how many people have bought ukuleles now that I've, uh, I, I play the, ukulele. I don't, I'm not good or anything, but man, I love it. <laughs> You know, it's funny, the a skateboarding ukulele star over here, and, and you gave yeah. me a story right before we hopped on uh, or started recording about traveling with the ukulele and, of course, rocking some Tay-Tay Swift. So <laughs> you, you said there's a lot of uh, friend building, and it's an interesting talking point. Like, ukuleles aren't normally something that I guess you really see too often, right? Yeah, no, it's like, so yeah, that guy was really fun. We were in a huge layover and he was like, let's jam. And I'm like, can we do that? Is that a lot? Okay, whatever. And then he's saying, I I wish I could remember which I was like bad blood or something super random that I'm not going to sit here and name Tay Tay Swift older man. I don't want to snitch on myself. Nope. Every last word to, (laughs) I was like, okay, here we go. And then, but my favorite, my favorite was getting on a flight. And, um, the, the flight attendant was this older Hawaiian man. And he goes, is that tuned? And I'm like, I'll tune it. And he goes, okay, let's play. So before we take off or anything, he comes over and I finished tuning it up and he's like, do you know any Hawaiian songs? And I'm like, uh, somewhere over the rainbow. Like, and he looked at me like I was just trash, like total trash. He's like, can I play it? And he sang the most, he played and sang the most beautiful Hawaiian song I've ever heard. And it was just, I got, I recorded it um, and it was just so cool. I'm like, that was so beautiful. And he, he's called the flying Hawaiian. So he, that was pretty fun, but yeah, it's always a talking point and I don't go anywhere without it because quite honestly, it's like my it's my escape. I'll be like, do I need a glass of wine or no, I can just play my ukulele. That'll make me feel better. So it's pretty. Or both. Hang on. Let's not like discriminate yeah, I mean, against yes, wine. I Come I'm on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that. And it's something that you really like to highlight is really being your authentic self where it's funny. You picked up a ukulele, I actually picked up piano playing this year. So we have a little bit of a uh, a similarity there because it's like it is an escape out of like the daily grind where you can just sit down and, and relax for five seconds but still be crafting something new and that really kind of shapes into the authentic leader that you think really is highlighted by great leadership can you delve into that a little bit for us um i mean vulnerability authenticity it's all you know it doesn't mean that you need to be constantly sharing your um you know all of your hardships with everybody But when you show up as yourself and you're confident in your business and what you're doing, where you're going, you're just going to be, I mean, you're just going to attract the right people. And that goes for your team as well. You know, um, I built my first big, large organization basically by just sharing, like being myself going live at the time I was with a company that was not an online company and I had to make it so. And, um, for my own, you know, because I couldn't go places and and do things. And so I grew a team that was nationwide and I had to get them to know me or help them get to know me online. And 
my personal business and my team grew greatly just because I was willing to just show up and, and talk and share. And at times that did mean being vulnerable, but, um, that's where people are going to learn to trust you, you know, and want to be a part of what you're doing. And then, and then hopefully they start showing up authentically too, you know? I think it is really an interesting point you just made about it being infectious, right? As soon as you show that vulnerability, it kind of like creates the space for others to do that, which is really what leadership's about is influencing. And then you're influencing like massive impact among people, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I look at my team and I'm, I tell them all the time, like, I want you guys to zoom past me. If any of you guys, like, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. It's what I want for everyone. And, um, yeah, it, it's infectious. And I know we know that because when we see people, you know, now we have social media, it rules all. And uh, when you see people doing something and showing up, sharing their story and something resonates. And so often, whether we listen to it or not, we get that feeling of like, I want to share, I could share, like, I want to do that, you know, and it's because it feels really good. Um, and it's because you were just impacted by somebody and it's, it's really, you know, on every level of business growth, if you're trying to grow a social media, you know, your brand, whatever, uh, you can tell pretty much right off the bat when somebody is authentic and when somebody is just trying to put points on the board and, you know, again, that goes in every area and, you're just going to attract, you're going to help people grow. You're going to encourage people. And with my, you know, my two businesses, my main, you know, leadership business, and then my level after next, I focus a lot, like a lot of my one-on-one -on -one time with people is just helping them figure out what their story is, because we tend to really kind of, I think we just gloss over our own stories. We're just so used to them. And so when somebody will tell me, you know, I don't know what to share. I don't know where to focus. Um, I'll just be like, okay, well, tell me, just tell me about yourself. Like, tell me what's been going on, something impactful in your life. And it's just, it cracks me up because in every conversation, I'm like, do you understand what you have here? Like, do you understand how you could reach people here? You know, you don't think it's a big deal that you're a mom of a teenager and a young kid and it feels kind of lonely because your teenager doesn't want to do anything with you anymore. Like there's a whole group of moms of teenagers who are lonely and miss playdate. That in itself is a place to connect with people. And um, I know that that was kind of off, off on a strange topic, but it's something so simple. It doesn't have to be some huge dramatic event of losing something or someone. And, you know, if you want to go and you want to divulge all of that as well, then there's a space for that too. But, um, it's just when you show up authentically, when you share something that's, you know, on your heart, part of your life, something that you're learning more and more about in yourself, you will certainly attract all the right people. And it makes you more relatable, right? Like your, your individual person, your client base, your group, your following, which you're talking about social media and you have a, a heck of a following on social media. It, it's like it creates a magnetism, right? When you're that relatable, all of a sudden people are just drawn to you in different ways and they like correlate with that story. So talking about being a lonely mom, missing play dates for a teenage kid like that, that really is a pretty large segment of people that were like relate to that and like want to buy into that. So sharing that story can be really impactful. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, with social media, I started growing it years ago and it was hard in my previous company because we had a lot of rules surrounding what we were allowed to do and how many people we were allowed to have following us. And, um, so I had to be like careful not, to, not to grow really. Um, and, and I didn't have as much access to ways to grow, but I did know that I love writing. Like I love writing. It is my outlet. It's, um, and I think there's just something about sharing. I don't know if this is everybody. I feel like it's probably most people, but when we get really honest about something that is hard for us, you know, that maybe brings us a little bit of guilt or shame or anything like that. And we get honest with it. And then we find that, you know, hundreds of people are right there with you. I mean, that's why memes are so great. It's because somebody just like finally says it like it is. And we're all like, yes, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's it's funny. And that's a, a great point about social media and like the power of social media where for uh, we're about the same age. So we kind of grew up in that Facebook into Instagram world and started seeing social media people kind of get fake, right? We're talking about authenticity, but people put on this like IG life where it's like this glamorized life that is just so unreal where, you know, they walk by a Bentley and lean on it to take a selfie real quick. And it's like, that's just not, there's just no way I know you bro. Like they, that's not your life. It's not yours. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's so funny to me. So how do you translate that in a way that comes across authentic and real and really gritty, right? Like that's what life is. It's grit. How do you really translate that in the virtual world? So I like, I want to go back to a post that I made a really long time ago. I probably need to bring it back up to be quite honest. You can do that on Instagram, by the way, if you have some great posts from a year ago, just bring it on back up, let the people see it. But, um, let the people I, see it. I love that. <laughs> let, the, let the people see it, the new people, you know, but, um, I, I basically said that, you know, the social media, our social medias, they're like the hallway, like the hallway of pictures in our homes. Right. So I actually have a hallway of pictures in, in my house and it's, it's all the most beautiful pictures of my kids. And they're, I, I personally, they're not like professional pictures. They're actually pictures from Instagram, but they're just these moments, right? These beautiful moments. And, um, that hallway of pictures, it doesn't show the huge fight with my husband. It doesn't show my son's meltdown in Trader Joe's and me having to storm out with a grocery cart full of groceries not paid for and crying. And, you know, like the, the hallway is not going to show those things and you don't want to put them on. You don't want to frame them. Right. So, I mean, I think that one thing to keep in mind when looking at other people's social media accounts and comparing, and we know, like, hopefully you do know that comparison is the death of joy. Like it is, it just is right. So if somebody, you go to their account and it just is perfection, it's, it's not, that's not real. And they probably don't want you to think that it's totally real, but it, it's just not, it's not real. And maybe it's not authentic. Either, it's either. like the highlight reel, the right? Highlight like reel. You, you post the highlight reel, not like you said, the, the bad fights and the stand, the, the tantrums in the store, right. like you don't post that. So it's kind of like, just like the best of the best moments. Exactly. And people lose that context on like, oh, their life is so wonderful. I want their life. And in reality, like life sucks at moments, but I might not put that on IG. Right. Right. And then, you know, what I, like I said, for me, 
Um, I mean, I do, I do share some of those things. There are, there's plenty that I'm, you know, I'm not ready to share. I don't feel comfortable sharing yet. Um, I hope that someday I will, but there's still those like in between things, you know, getting really upset with my son, uh, because he had a one hour meltdown because the next day wasn't pajama day. True story. What in the heck it is bedtime kids. Like, I know you need a hug, but I am like ready to just lose my mind. And so, you know, um, I think that if you're going for a brand following, you know, bringing people into your team, showing your team, then, you know, choose pretty pictures. That's fine and well and good, but incorporate some of your struggle because I, my mentor, um, one of the top leaders in industry worldwide, um, Justin Prince always talks about how we have like dream struggle and then victory. And if you have a huge dream, you're going to have a huge struggle. Like they're all the exact same. And that victory is going to be huge as well. You have to accept the struggle. You have to push through the struggle. You're going to share that struggle with other people because that's, what's going to be relatable. That's what's going to, that's going to be something that they're going to understand. They're going to need to know that so that they can push through their own struggles, but it's not going to own you. Like you're going to own the victory, you know? And that's just something that's like, you know, I think about it all the time. And so I always want to share some of my different struggles because I think that when it comes to my success in business, my success in leadership, it's very easy for people to say, oh, well, it's just, you know, you can just do this. And I'm like, no, bro. Like I struggled. I have had so many, I still have days where I'm like, what am I going to do here? Like, I don't know. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going and, and I'm going to talk about it because I need people to understand that it's not just some easy, nothing's just handed to you. Otherwise it wouldn't be worth it. Right. Yeah. It's one of those that kind of, like you talked about the struggle almost highlights the the victory in so much of a better way where it's like you have that appreciation for it. Right. And I love what you've done in, in your store, in your journey, where you've had these struggles and you've had different things that you've overcome and you've conquered, and then you turn back around and you're teaching that, right? So you're, you're showing that, that struggle and then teaching people how you overcame it and how they could possibly use that same mythology to overcome it. What would you say are some of like the blind spots that kind of hit you upside the head that you're like, oh man, I should have seen that coming. I didn't. And this is how I overcame that obstacle. I mean, I feel like those things happen all the time. I think that we juggle a lot as leaders. And so, you know, one of the things that I did not do soon enough was start delegating. Um, and I remember when I was first told, Hey, you should get an assistant. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm a stay at home mom. <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I'm making, I'm excited for the money I'm making, but I'd like to keep it. I don't want to like, nobody else can do what I do. And, you know, I did hire an assistant, you know, but it's only been in the last, honestly, I mean, and Christopher has helped me so much with learning just like the best ways to delegate. But another really um, cool thing that my mentor JP taught us was like kind of how to calculate your minutely rate. And um, once you do that, so the way that you do it, just can I add that the equation in real quick? Yeah, as long as you break it down into uh, infantry terms, because I, I told you army. I don't know if I can do that. I don't even know what that means. You know, when, we're not the smartest people, so so make it simple. For it's going to be yes, simple. Please. It's going to be really simple. So you're going to take what you hope to earn, what like what you expect 
and hope to earn, right? Because hopefully you're planning on earning more in the next year. So that number, you're going to divide it by 2000. 2000 represents how many hours the average American works in a year. So you're going to divide it by 2000. Then you're going to divide that by 60. And that should be your minute per hour rate. Did you do it? Oh, I, 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 uh, I wrote it all down. Do I need to do it? Oh man, hang on. I got to get my calculator. Come on. This is like, this is long division here. This is a long division. <laughs> Stick with it. <laughs> so what you plan to make, so that's how many, how much an hour, and then you're going to divide that by 60. It's funny. The last time I used it in calculator, hang on. This is amusing to me. <laughs> and that should be your per minute. That's your rate. per minute rate. So when you know how much your time is worth per minute, mm -hmm. right? Uh, first of all, it's going to affect you. It should affect you when you catch yourself scrolling the internet. And you're like, I just wasted $12. I just wasted $180. Like, What's funny is that number, I, it's like, all right, that's that's not that big of a number. But when you think per minute, yeah. and then you get on TikTok, mm -hmm. and you get in that TikTok hole, 20 minutes later, it's like, oh, man, that's a really nice dinner I just spent on TikTok. Exactly, exactly. And it's powerful to understand this and to understand what your time is worth. And especially when it's time to delegate and the delegating is important because when I delegate, I get to spend my time on the people and the, you know, the things that really matter that only I can do, you know, the connections I cannot, I'm not going to pay somebody to connect with my team. I'm not going to pay somebody to do a training that I would like to do. I'm not, I want to do this podcast. This is worth my time. Um, one, cause it fills my cup. And, and two, cause I get to reach new people and meet new people. And that's amazing. So, but when you understand what your time is worth in a real way, you know, when my daughter was like, mom, will you buy me this stupid game on my iPod for three 99, if I empty the dishwasher and I did a quick, like empty the dishwasher and fill it. And I did a quick little, well, is it going to take? I'm going to get distracted. Yeah. That's totally worth it. Like I will pay you $4 for that, you know? And one of my very first, you guys, what one of my very first assistants, because I had such a hard time figuring out how I would ever train somebody to do things the way that I wanted to do them. And I, you know, I was too much of a control freak before. And, um, so my first assistant was a laundry assistant, a laundry assistant. So think outside the box, when you're trying I to figure would out love that. So I hate folding clothes. I huh. cannot tell you how long it goes. I will wear all the clothes again before I fold them. Do you know, this is like, this is going to be mind blowing for some of you guys. Do you know that when somebody is just focused on doing the laundry, that it only takes like an hour and a half. <laughs> and that's for a family of five. I was like, what? I was sure this was like a six and a half day job. Six and a half day job. Not, <laughs> not six and a half hours. No. Six and a half days later, we finally have clean clothes, y'all. Yeah. They're folded. They're put away. Right. They're good to go. There are no piles of laundry <laughs> on my couch, on my bed. Um, and so, you know, cause I was going, what is the thing that I like really need help with that plagues me and, you know, day in and day out. And for me, it was laundry with three kids, you know, a daughter who just tries on more clothes than I don't even know. And, you know, sports, all of that, I was just inundated and it, and I couldn't ever stay focused on it because I was trying to work in between. And so once I hired someone one day a week comes in folds, puts away all the laundry. It was like, 
okay, now I've got that out of my brain. And now like, what else can I actually delegate, you know? And, um, so, you know, my point there is, is not that everybody, you you don't necessarily have to go out and hire an assistant right away. A lot of times you can use, you know, your kids to stamp envelopes or, you know, I don't, whatever it is in your business, if there are small things, having, getting that help, um, is huge. It needs to be consistent and it needs to be dependable help. Um, a student who's willing to do small things for, you know, $12 an hour or something like that. Again, what's your minutely rate? Well, I love the free child labor. Like that's like, that's totally not fair, right? I don't have kids, so I'm kind of jealous right now about the free child labor. Um, But it's- That alone is worth it. (laughs) It is, right? Um, It's funny as you're talking about this delegation, because it's, I heard this, I can't remember where I heard, I'm a a Del Carnegie guy. So delegation is one of those things. It's like one of the key topics of like emptying your cup. If And for me, it was always- um, lawn maintenance. I love going out, cutting the grass, making it look beautiful, making it look amazing. Right. I really enjoyed that for a long time, but when I recognized it would take half a day or a whole day, or I could pay somebody $60 to go cut the grass. You think about when you break down, even just your hourly rate to pay somebody $60 where I could spend six hours making way more than $60, breaking it down like that, where delegation all of a sudden isn't just, hey, I need a team that I can delegate to. Like you're talking, I love that you bring up laundry. Like it could be cleaning the house, doing the laundry, doing the yard work, things that just take time, the chores that we don't like to do as adults. And now that we're adulting, we have to do those things. So I I love that you bring up those points because that could really, especially as a mom, that I can't imagine how draining that can be when you're consistently keeping that going and that life going and still trying to run the business on the other side. So I think that was just a great point of delegation. Yeah. Yeah. I think people think that automatically they need somebody to come in who can write their emails or who can like, you know, do these big things that it took that us, you know, as leaders, it takes us a long time to figure out how we're going to do that the right way. So um, eventually you will find somebody who is going to fit into that spot, you know, but first take those other things off the plate. And, and the great thing is that most of the time they're, they don't, they're not going to cost you as much money to offload. Um, and you know, like you said, that's the big yeah, thing, right? Like that's right. huge. People think it's going to be, oh man, I have to find 50 K a year in a salary to bring somebody in realistically. Again, the laundry, it's not going to be 50 K a year the grass, the smaller things like that. Or I love what you said earlier about a student trying to um, do a small hourly rate. That's wanting to, I love hiring interns that are just transitioning out of college I've had five or six interns at a time working on one of my companies because they want to learn more about the media side of stuff. And it's like, well, they're, they're specialized in it. They know Instagram a heck of a lot better than I do. Cause I didn't get an Instagram until I had a business. I y'all I'm damn near a boomer when it comes to Instagram, it's so bad. So it's like those small things really can shift how you can grow and scale a business without really taking on the stress of having to create a W2 or salary right. for somebody. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's what I, you know, that's one of the first things that I tell my team when they start getting overwhelmed with stuff, it's like offload something easy, you know, and, um, and it's, it can, it ga- it's game changing. It also starts you in that direction of learning how to trust others with given tasks, you know, and, um, the great thing about hiring somebody and not having your, you know, partner or kids do it is that like, you can tell them exactly how to do it and you don't have to go back and redo it for them. <laughs> So, but I love that you said 
that how much you loved uh, mowing the lawn, you know, cause like maybe every now and then, like, if that is something like cool and special to you, like I get it. There are just things that we enjoy doing, um, that it is worth it to have somebody else to do that. I know how you men mow lawns and it's, it's ridiculous. Like how you men mow lawns. Cause it's not just mowing the lawn, right? You got to edge, you got to blow everything off. You have to do all the, you have to like things. think about it for a good 45 minutes before you do it. Because I feel like that's like a part of well, it. Too. Look, I, I, I claim that's the time I take to go grab a beer, beer out of the fridge, yeah. but yes, there, there is a strategy and assessment plan attached to moment. Absolutely. Got to do it well, you know? <gasps> oh my gosh. But- well, so for instance, I like, I, I had an art business prior to any of my, um, I had a small business that I started. My firstborn was firstborn and, um, it was an art business. And, you know, when you're talking about hourly rates, minutely rates, like starving artists is a thing. And it's because you get paid like three, like, I don't know, three tenths of a penny and a minute as an artist. It's yeah, it wasn't worth it. It was very fun, though. It fulfilled me. And so now in um, my businesses online, I'm very good at graphics. I have a good eye. It's something that I'm good at. And for a long time, it was something I really liked doing because I liked being able to share them with people um, and people on my team and everything, but recently realized that this is taking too much of my time. And when I look at my minutely rate, it is not worth it, you know? And to then offload that to somebody who was actually on my team, knew exactly what, you know, the type of graphics that I liked, the branding, it took a little bit of like, to like hand it off because it is something I enjoy. I can still go build a graphic though, anytime that I want, but it's no longer my responsibility and a part of my like DMO, um, something that I feel is like weighing on me that I have to do. And, um, and it's offering something to someone who's now earning money off of something that they really do love. So, um, you know, like I said, it's been a process and it's been a learning experience, but all of these things, understanding what our time is worth, learning how to kind of release things. Um, it's important and it's important to kind of show your team that as well. And I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I think it's huge because it's one of those, especially in the world and the realm I come from that alpha mindset, the perfectionist mindset uh, for me, I'm, I'm OCD about certain things, right? You just have to have certain things done the certain mm-hmm. way that you really want to want done. But that just leads to so much analysis paralysis. It's like, I have to have it this way, that way, or the other, or I'm not going to love it when in reality, I'm not a graphics person. So it doesn't make sense for me to sit down to graphics. Do I enjoy seeing a little bit of my influence on it? Absolutely. But it takes me forever to sit down and like strategize that where you can just hire it out in that same, just like doing a lawn, right? Hire it out and figure that piece out or let somebody else figure that piece out. And I'm curious over the years, I mean, you've mentioned mentors, you've mentioned different things that have influenced this journey. Has there been like a a great resource, a book, a podcast, or some sort of learning tool that you've used over the years that you you would recommend to the audience? Oh man. I mean, I love, I love books on tape uh, or books on tape. Do you guys know what tape are? Hang on, hang on. Speaking of boomer here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's called Audible, and it's a beautiful thing, but a cassette tape for the young and listening. I think we might still be able to rent them from the library. I don't know, with a Walkman. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. So you love books on tape. Give us a good book on tape that you've listened to recently. Oh my gosh. Um, I listen to a lot on Audible. I mean, I have like, I'm a big John Maxwell fan. Um, I, you know, Brene Brown. I, I just, I'm constantly um and i go in all directions you know i i love gabby bernstein um she's like you know that's more of the spiritual side of things but a little bit more of the yeah, woo-woo the woo-woo side, woo-woo side of things, but, but um yeah. and then at the same time i've got like devotionals that i go through i'm just i'm all over the place because you know i i have people from all over the place and but when it comes to great leadership you know we're talking like brendan burchard John Maxwell, all the greats and everybody who's coming up. I love new um, people in different areas. Glennon Melton is, has like, you don't have to agree with everything that everybody does or says or anything, but oh my gosh, when you get that, like that one thing that you can grasp onto um, that's gonna inspire you. I have what probably my favorite book I have it right here. I almost stole it from my dad and then I went ahead and bought it myself. So this is my favorite book in the whole world. I wasn't even planning on talking about this. It's called The Book of Positive Quotations. It's very large, as you can see. And it's like a dictionary of quotes from everybody, from Amelia Earhart to Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, and everybody in between like uh, Hannah Moore, Virgil, Achilles, like you, you guys, like it's, it's all the quotes in the whole world and it's really well itemized. Um, and my favorite thing in the whole, like, like the, there's the ukulele and then there's me sitting with this book of quotes and just looking for an inspiration. Um, I'm a big quote I love it. I got, I get it from my father. My dad, uh, was a fire, he was a retired fire chief, probably the best who ever lived. And, um, a hose dragger. <laughs> no, no. I know we already talked about the Air Force brothers, we're all, but we're all fire and, and uh, Air Force over oh, here. Oh my goodness! I'm all but army and police army. over army. here. You have to like him. Yeah, but oh goodness! No, I, I I love that. Do you have? Are there any positive quotes that like stick out to you, or is it one of those you literally like daily inspiration comes from? You just flip through and read different things, and something catches you and inspires you. I have so many. I think that Abraham Lincoln's probably uh, most like most of my favorites come from good old yeah. Abe. But um, good old I have Abe. to remember. Okay, it's that I'm not probably quoting this perfectly, but it's um, I'm a success today because I had a friend who believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let him down. And that was, I learned that, or I found that quote years ago and that is leadership. You get to be, when you breathe belief into people and you know, I feel like as leaders, first of all, if you don't know what your superpower is, you need to know what you need to figure out what your superpower is. That's not being, uh, you know, full of yourself. It's not being egotist. Like you should know you have a superpower if you are leading in any way, shape or form. And, um, that doesn't mean that you have to have a huge team, you know, but, and in general, know what your superpower is. Mine is seeing the potential in people. Uh, I mean, I just, 
I don't think that anybody needs to settle for crap, you know? And so when I read that quote and I was like, God, that's so it, you know, and I was able to immediately recognize the people who had reached out to me at different points in my early career and otherwise, and just told me like, you're going to be amazing here. Um, though that when somebody says that to you, when somebody tells you the potential that they see in you, it doesn't go away. Like, um, and I think a lot of times as leaders, we don't realize the impact that we can have or have had, or, um, you know, will have when we just breathe that life and belief into people. Um, but I can't tell you, I mean, top leader developer, that was just all me believing in people. And when I would say, you know, Hey, we're going to do this, this month, there were so many times that people would be like, what? No, I'm not ready. And I'm like, I, we, you can do it this, you know, here, and then it's like, all of a sudden it lights this little fire and it's not me doing it. Like all I said was like, and, it, and I'm not trying to, I just really see it. And I believe that they can do it. Um, but it lights, it sparks that fire and off they go, you know, and I don't even know until a few months later when they're like, you said that to me, you sent me that card. And it just like, I was just ready to take off. And, um, so yeah, I think that, I mean, there are a million different quotes out there. I, like I said, I have, I just, I keep tons of them highlighted. I write them down everywhere, but that one, um, as a leader, as a human, I think that, um, is definitely my favorite out there. Do you know who said that? that Was that, that was Abe, old Abe. Um, it, it's funny. Um, he's one of the leadership inspirations I have. Um, I actually, I have a book from Dale Carnegie called Lincoln, the unknown sitting here. And it's one that is uh, limited run, hard to find. Um, and it is one of those that is all about Abe Lincoln and his leadership journey. Um, and it is truly incredible to, to think about the things as a leader that he overcame and, and really the legacy he left, right? Yes, he was president, but there's so much more beyond that about his story. And I'm really curious as we wind this down, through all the great works you're doing, all the amazing impact you're creating, what is your legacy that you're wanting to leave on the world? Well, I'm working on it. I am adjusting it constantly, but I, I, you know, my legacy is in two parts and I want it, you know, a part of it is for my kids. Um, but I think that everything that I want them to see, I want not just like the world to see, but I want to encourage in other people. And it has very much to do with um, not giving up on yourself. And I think that that sounds really general, but um, I, I believe this happens really to everyone. I know as a mom and a, you know, as a mom, I, I, as soon as I had babies, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going, I'm a mom. And, um, it defines you and that it's beautiful in that way, but, um, it's okay for that not to be enough for you too. And if it is, then that is amazing. But I think the legacy that I really want to leave is not just that, you know, you can work and you can earn and you can totally change the trajectory of your family's history. Um, and I have a good family history, but I want to be 
somebody that my kids are talking about and their grandkids are talking about like, you know, this woman picked up a skateboard at 38, learned how to play the ukulele and then became a billionaire. Like it was just crazy. And now look at what we have and what we get to pass down to our kids. Um, but more than anything, I want people at any age, at any stage of life to start realizing that it's, it is at no point too late for them to decide to do the same thing. Um, and you know, it may not be, maybe it's not a business, maybe it's something else, but you can pivot, you can shift and you can follow like your heart and your soul and change, you know, the, whatever the horrible reoccurring thing is in your family, whether it's alcoholism or, you know, or just not having enough money to, you know, buy a home, um, not going to college, whatever it is, like not being, I want to let people see their own potential so that they can step up and decide what they're going to do. You know, I had a long talk with my brother the other day. Um, and I was just saying how, when you take control, like a lot of times we let life happen to us and then you're feeling like a victim and it's very easy to do that in every situation. Um, and look, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I believe everybody should be in it. Um, and so I'm not going to lie and not figure this all out on my own. I have an excellent therapist and he has helped me tremendously, but when you can shift and start to take ownership and control of every thing and no longer see life happening to you, but you know, something happens, things are going to happen that you don't know, you don't expect. Um, but you know, you can just, what, what is it? Plot twist. Here we go. You know, buckle up. This is what's happening. Um, so uh, that that's, what I want. I want to be somebody who encouraged hopefully a lot of people to take back control, understand that they can do things that they can do things that they didn't think they could do anymore. And, um, you know, I want my kids to always know forever and ever and ever that they get to just like, they get to write the book. I, I absolutely love that. It's so, so powerful. And, um, I mean, big shout out to therapy. I know it shifted my life completely when I finally, especially for the military world, there's so many that don't yeah. want to uh, take that control back, right? We were letting so many things that did happen in our lives take control over what's being projected. Our, our self-perception becomes our projection and, you know, projecting certain things, not taking control and, and not having the mindset of this is happening for me, not to me. And, and having that mindset where it's more of a gift and a learning opportunity. I love that that's your journey. And I love that that's what you're inspiring people to, to really present of themselves into the world. And I want to give the audience an opportunity, the best way to find you, the best way to connect with you, the best way to get all this amazing content. I know you're all across social media. Can you go ahead and give us those mm -hmm. handles and your website and the business again? Yeah. Get yourself on Instagram at KT, just the letters KT. And then it's Anne with an E Barnett. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Katie Ann Burrard, Nelly Barnett, or just Katie Ann Barnett is my, my kind of public business page. Um, I'm more fun on my personal page though. And I'm, I'm happy to have you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm Kathleen Barnett on LinkedIn. 
um, levelafternext.org. And um, I also have a website kind of still under construction, but it's it's there and it's levelafternextorg.com. So nice. I, I really encourage everybody to go follow the, the Instagram's a lot of fun at the very least. Um, <laughs> you have a ton of following there. I keep it interesting. It, you know, it's scroll down like two levels and all of a sudden there's laundry on the page. So it made me laugh with our conversation. So um, I, I love that. I definitely encourage everybody go check her out. And then of course, circle back this Friday where she's coming back to unpack some more of these tactics on tactical Friday. Katie, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. I can't wait. And this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.